This is Theology Refresh. I'm David Mathis. This is Desiring God's podcast for pastors and Christian leaders. Our theme today is preaching the gospel to yourself. And it's a joy to have Paul Tripp here with us. Paul, thank you for joining us. It's great to be with you. Yep. So we've never done an episode yet on preaching the gospel to yourself. So important. But let's start with definition. What do we mean by that? Well, maybe the place for me to start is a little bit of my own experience. I'm I'm more and more hit by the fact that there can be this disconnect, this disharmony between my confessional theology, the things that I understand and can communicate, and the theology that forms my responses to the difficulties of life in the fallen world. That that somehow the the gospel gets uh, diluted or forgotten, and so I experience anger, fear, panic, discouragement as as a result. And maybe that is first about meditation. I don't. I think for me, I'm. I need to be more conscious of what has captured my meditation. Is my meditation captured by the difficulties of life, and that's what? occupies my mind and all the moments where my mind isn't on task? Or is my meditation formed by the glory of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, it's important to say that a biblical faith never requires you to, to deny reality. Uh, Abraham considered the deadness of Sarah's womb. That's pretty specific. But he grew strong in faith as he was waiting because he became fully persuaded that the one who made the promise was faithful. That tells you something about Abraham's meditation. Although he looked reality in the face, he wasn't playing monkey games with reality. His meditation was on the grandeur of this God who had made the the promise. Now, if I don't do that, if my meditation is on the little, medium-sized, and big difficulties of life, they tend to loom larger, and they begin to form another gospel that I preach to myself, a gospel of difficulty, of aloneness, of envy, of questions of the faithfulness of God, of partiality, of all those things that are very, very different than the way God presents himself in Scripture and who he says I am as his child. So would you say you will meditate on something? Uh, You will be captivated by something. You will preach something to yourself. And, and we're saying preach the heart of Christian truth, of the biblical message, uh, the gospel of God's grace to yourself. Yeah, I, I, I think it's important to realize that no one's more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. And that conversation is deeply theological. It's paradigmatic. It's motivational. Uh, you're always living out of some form of some kind of gospel. Your, your inner conversation is always hermeneutic. It's always interpreting life on the basis of, of something. And, and I'm always in a situation where I'm in moments that are bigger than me, bigger than my wisdom, bigger than my strength. I'm always confronted with how little I control, how little I understand. And so Rest is not found in my control. It's not found in my strength. It's not found in my wisdom. It's found 
in this God who has invaded my life by His grace. And so I've got to keep preaching that presence and that provision to myself all the time. Talk about being proactive and reactive. It seems like it's, it's probably both. There's probably a proactivity of before you're facing the struggles of the day, before uh, anger is on you or fear is on you, there's a, a proactivity and then also a reactivity. How would you explain that dynamic? Well, the, the, the proactive part is that I, I counsel pastors again and again to do four things every morning. The first one is gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Have it a habit. It's not Bible study for developing biblical literacy. I, I really want to put in front of my eyes the awesome glory, awesome beauty of God. Isaiah 40, uh, the last few chapters of Job, uh, Ephesians 1, that just so I see and remember again. And then the second is remember, remember that good scriptural theology not only tells you who God is, but it gives you your identity as a child of God. This is who God is for me. This is who I am. So you gaze, you remember, then rest. Rest is not passivity. Rest is an activity. Require yourself to rest, not because people like you, not because circumstances are easy, but because God is, and by grace, He's your Father. Now act. Act on that basis. That's the, that's the proactive part. The, the, the reactive is... We all need to develop habits of looking back on experiences through the lens of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let the gospel be my hermeneutic. What does it tell me about people? What does it tell me about situations? What does it tell me, what does it tell me about life in the fallen world? What does it tell me about why things happen, how problems are solved, who Jesus is for me in this moment? Uh, and, and in so doing, uh, challenge these emotions. I mean, if you want to destroy your ministry, follow every train of thought, every train of desire, and uh, every train of emotion. Uh, we need to confront ourselves with that unique perspective that the gospel gives on everyday life and ministry. That's good. How about the relationship between uh, preaching the gospel to yourself and then daily being in the scriptures. How do you, how do you relate maybe a, a progressive Bible reading plan to daily preaching the gospel? Not quite the same thing, but yet connected. And how would you put that? Well, I, I, if I'm going to preach the gospel to myself, I need material. And, and I believe that, that every passage of scripture tells me things about God, tells me things about myself, tells me things about life in the fallen world, tells me things about God's plan and purpose for the world he created, tells me things about the movement of the kingdom of God, tells me things about the nature of grace. I can't get enough of that. And to the degree that I'm committed to be an open-minded, open-hearted student of the word of God, I'm giving myself the content that I'm later going to preach to myself in moments where I need to hear it again. Yes. Um, we were at lunch early today and you were talking about uh, your wife preaching the gospel to you just in in her circumstances. Talk about the dynamic in marriage. How significant is it for husband and wife in preaching the gospel to themselves and then overflowing in the context of the marriage relationship to speak hope and grace and goodness to each other? I think Luella may be surprised to hear me say this because she doesn't think of herself as a theologian, although she is one of those, or a preacher, and in our home she is one of those in a rightful sense of that. But I think there are ways in which I've learned what it means 
to preach the gospel to myself and to live in light of the gospel from Luella. Um, the other day, as she was talking about the gallery and some, some potentially difficult things she's facing there, the way that she just worked those through, the beautiful theology of Scripture, and I was asking, well, how are you dealing with those things, was just a model of living what, at the confessional level, you say you believe. And, and I'm, I'm thinking, she's got rest in this place where so many people would have anything but rest because she's getting her identity vertically and not horizontally. Now, she's facing those things. She's facing them head on or we wouldn't have had the conversation. But I was just, I was, just I, mean, I was sitting there thinking, she's preaching the gospel to me. And that's enormously helpful. You, you, you just can't hear it enough. Yeah. Would you say there's a difference or distinction between uh, applying biblical truth and preaching the gospel to yourself? A lot of overlap, but is there, are they the same thing or are there some distinctions there? Yeah, I, I think of the, the preaching the gospel to yourself piece of being Psalm 42. It's, why are you downcast, O my soul? Hope, hope in God. It's, it's self-consciously, intentionally reminding yourself of the, the truths of the person and presence and provisions of the Redeemer. Uh, the second question is, if I, if I believe those things, now how will that shape my living? Okay. Uh, on this topic, any counsel you'd have for leaders in particular who aren't just preaching the gospel to themselves and being spiritual cul-de-sacs, but, but ministering to others actively in you know, formal leadership roles, are there anything specific you'd say to a leader? Well, a couple things I'd say is, is there, there surely is a relationship between preaching the gospel to yourself and humility and passion and winsomeness in the pulpit. There's, there's something about uh, just being blown away again by God's mercy that makes you the kind of preacher I want to listen to. There's a there's a joy, there's a passion. Uh, the way I say that is maybe one of the elements of a good sermon is that you're worshiping your way through the sermon yes. as, as you're preaching it. I think in terms of staff relationships that ministry's hard. This is a fallen world. The gospel is bad news before it's good news. Uh, and staff people lose their way. Uh, were flawed people ministering in a fallen world. And so to, to continue to help my staff realize who they are in Christ, to continue to preach the gospel to them is such an important part of what it means to nurture them along the way uh, in ministry. Paul, thank you for being with us. Would you close us in prayer? Sure. Lord, we... We are so grateful at this very moment that what we're talking about is not just a message or a theology, it's a person. And his name is Jesus. And we are so thankful that in, in him we really do find everything we need for life and godliness. I would pray for those who watch this 
uh, little video that they would, they would be renewed in their hope and their courage because they again see afresh the glory of the grace that they've been given in the personal work of Jesus. In his name, amen. Amen.